and welcome to Keep You Posted. Today is Sunday, July 26th. My name is Hannah Trav. I'm a comedian, a law student, and all I've done this weekend is listen to Taylor Swift's new album. I'm joined as always by my friend and producer, Ross Wiseman. Hello, Ross. Hey, all I did this weekend was drink. (laughs) Hell yeah, I love it. What were you drinking? Um, mainly water, but also a good amount of alcohol, some margaritas. <gasps> I love margaritas. I typically don't, but these were like not super sour. Uh, and then I had like a gin drink, like nice. a gin cocktail. Rock and roll. Um, yeah. I had a half a Tecate, so I Perfect. can totally relate. Um, today's episode's gonna be great. I mentioned Taylor Swift already. Um, we're gonna close out our episode. I'm going in reverse order. It's just keep it spicy our second segment today will be what's taylor swift up to where we review the album with my friend anthony barone but our first segment um is an interview with um marshall singer who's the cfo and co-founder of this company called ruvna um we'll explain it it's about we're talking basically about people going back to school kids going back to school during COVID 19 and he and his company and their role in that so um as always the world is nuts please wear a mask please be safe please pay attention to what's going on and um stay strong it's a really crazy time to be alive so um that's my input ross you got any like wise words to tell the audience wear a fucking mask yeah yeah i want i want to see my friends but i can't see my friends if there's still an active virus going around so I don't care about your bullshit. Yeah. Wear a mask. Or just don't go out. Well, the restaurant around the corner that you really need to go to because they have outdoor seating, it's garbage. They yeah. undercook their fries and the free bread is just like Martin's rolls that they heated up in the microwave. I think I you're thinking of a very particular restaurant. So for that reason, I can't necessarily agree with you because there are some delicious restaurants in my neighborhood, but order takeout. Yeah. Um, order it to go. Better That's what out. I'm going to do tonight. Remember a couple of weeks ago or however long it was. I don't really know. Every time feels meaningless, but I had not ordered takeout at all. And now I've done it like five times. Yeah. I, I probably do it once every other week. Yeah. So. Something like that. Yeah. It's like when I'm getting low on groceries before I go do another grocery run. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I'll just put something together. Totally. Um, well, on that note, should we get the episode started? Yes. Let's do it. are talking to Marshall Singer, who is the co-founder and CFO of Ruvna, a school communication company. Welcome, Marshall. Hey, Hannah. Hey, Ross. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. So tell us about Ruvna. Tell us about your business. Yeah. So Ruvna, as you mentioned so uh, astutely, is a school communication company. Um, And I think what's particularly relevant to what we're doing right now is we actually just released um, a product called Ruvna Health. And what Ruvna Health is- So go back though. So it's a school communication company in that like you guys send messages to schools. Basically what that means is that there are a lot of places schools aren't so good at communicating. You know, Mm -hmm. back for us in 2015, we realized that during an emergency or during a fire drill, they really struggled to say, hey, this student is safe. And they didn't have an effective method for communicating that information. You know, Mm -hmm. let's say you were a teacher. If you were a teacher in a classroom during a lockdown, 
um, and you notice one of your students was missing, you'd have no good way of identifying, you know, A, what student is missing, you know, because during Mm -hmm. an emergency, when you're in fight or flight mode, your hands are shaking. But if you do that, you don't know whether that student's in the bathroom Mm -hmm. with another teacher or in danger. Mm -hmm. And because it's a lockdown, you don't have a good way of communicating that. Mm-hmm. So what Ruvna originally started doing in 2015 was giving schools an effective way through our you know, web-based and app-based software system to say, hey, this student is safe, to let that information get to the administrators who need it so they mm-hmm. could identify who was missing. And that's grown since then to encompass real-time communication during an emergency, as well as mass notifications, robocalls, emails, texts on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. And now, as I was mentioning before, you know, with that daily questionnaire and symptom tracking for COVID and back to school. Because I think when you boil it together, we really realize that on a daily basis, communicating is hard. And mm-hmm. the solutions and software schools have and have had are just not just enough. That's really interesting. So um, I want to go back to your origin story before we get into the Ruvna Health thing. So um, we were just talking about this before we started recording. You guys were founded in 2015 and your two co-founders are younger than you. You're quite young and your two co-founders are younger than you and started working on this in high school. Is that right? Yeah. So actually they started it because the high school that they were attending had a really bad fire trail, like 30, 40 minutes. And particularly when they ended it, they just kind of ended it because they had to just go back to class. It had already taken 40 minutes, but they knew they were still missing people. They couldn't mm-hmm. identify that all their students were safe. And so Joey and Jack, having already completed all the computer science courses at their high school, um, yeah. actually got asked by the school to f- try to fix this, to take a go. Um, and after they did this and it started to work, What is crazy is we all kind of realized that this was not just their high school, that this was an endemic problem to the nature of how schools were running emergency drills. And Ruvna kind of grew from there to zero schools uh, in 2015 to about 280 districts and schools in 40 out of 50 states as of today. Holy shit, man. Um, That's really, that's really crazy. And I think what's so interesting is like, uh, I'm naive to this area. And so I kind of figured, oh yeah, there's got to be services like this out there, but it's not something I thought about until it was brought up to me that you work in that business and was like, oh my God, especially for COVID, this is huge. Um, So yeah, so you guys have the health part of it. Tell us what you're doing with that right now as schools prepare to reopen, because obviously that's like a pretty hot button issue right now. So how are you guys, how's it affecting your work, your business? Well, I think that's kind of a two-part question because Mm -hmm. the first thing is how did it affect us and then how did we respond? Um, So during the spring, you know, almost 90% of the schools in the country shut down, stopped operating, right? And our two core platforms and and services at the time, Ruvna Emergency and Ruvna Accountability, were things that in a large part revolved around them being in school. You know, you're not going to have a fire drill if everyone's teaching from home. Um, And so we had to take a step back and realized that the service we provided, while very important, was not meeting the moment, that people were not using our, our, our products. Mm-hmm. And you know, at the end of the day, a good company, and I think Ruben is a halfway decent one, though probably slightly biased there, I think has to solve a real problem. You know, Companies should exist and succeed when they solve a real problem for real people. You so, sound like the CFO of a company right now. Like you sound <laughs> like really, you're like, I have a product, I'm selling it on this podcast, and also, I'm the CFO. You've got a CFO voice is what I'm trying to say. It's a good thing. I appreciate it. You know, I did not at the beginning when we first started, (laughs) I had to call essentially every private school in Manhattan to beg them to take our product and 199 of the 200 essentially hung up on me. Mm -hmm. Um, So after, after a few years of doing that, you either get better at it or you stop doing it. 
Yeah. Uh, so, and here I am. You're but, like, clearly I got way better at it. <laughs> I can hope. <laughs> um, okay, so so you, you were back back to where you were. You were in shutdown mode. Your products were not relevant when the kids weren't in school. You want to be able to create something that solves a problem. Hence, you've been probably watching the news closely about whether schools are reopened. Yeah, but it was actually um, something more than that. And a point of pride for us and the whole company is our schools were asking us to do something. Mm-hmm. You know, they said that they really appreciated the way we made products um, and the way our products worked for them. And when you think about it, you know, they needed something to help them communicate to information to their school, but also mm-hmm. receive more information on a daily basis than they were before. And that really on the surface might not look like it, but a health survey is actually very similar to identifying who's missing and who needs help during an emergency Mm because it's collecting and aggregating information in real time, which was actually something we were pretty good at. Mm -hmm. So after talking to hundreds of folks around the country, we realized that this was something that we could actually do pretty well. Mm -hmm. Um, That, you know, while we still didn't have a great idea of what it was, because again, the the CDC's changed what they're recommending five times, and Mm -hmm. they're going to change it a few more times before school starts, but that Mm -hmm. we were good at getting information. So what we were going to do was build out a health assessment system that was going to help the schools to figure out what kids were displaying symptoms, Mm -hmm. uh, get that information to the administration, identify who isn't supposed to be coming to school that day. And, you know, not have those folks come to school while helping schools and districts identify trends before they become an outbreak that might make them shut down their school uh, or close one of their buildings. So as far as the mechanics, that's very impressive, very interesting. But as far as the mechanics of how this work, like, can you, without explaining computer coding to me, which, which I totally understand everything about computer codes, but for the listeners who aren't as of course, you know, computer savvy as Ross and I who understand coding. Um, I'm kidding. I don't understand coding, but. I know computers. I you know, know Microsoft PowerPoint. Okay. Anyway, on that note, how um, how are you getting this? Where are you getting this information? And how are you, like, I understand that your job is to distribute the information at the schools, but what? where are you getting that information from? What are your sources? Yeah. So I think it's two sides of a question as well. And don't worry about the computer thing. I might like to fake it, um, but I get embarrassed and confused every day when my two other co-founders try to explain to me how our product works. <laughs> like I get it, but not that well. So don't worry, I'm mixed three of us. And so, you know, what we're doing is on twofold. One, we're trying to get the most up-to-date information from the CDC, um, from the NIH, uh, from the WHO on what should schools be looking for symptom-wise, mm-hmm. you know, cough, chills, fever, those types of things. And then on the school side of it, we help schools get that information. And we do that very tactilely by providing a daily health assessment to the parents or students if they're older than 14 because of COPA um, or the staff members as well. And so they get that health assessment via text or email. Mm -hmm. And so they open it up. They're asked a series of questions, primarily regarding any symptoms they might be displaying, whether or not they've been um, in close proximity to anyone that's been diagnosed with COVID-19 in the past 14 days, Mm -hmm. and also some other custom information that the school might want to collect as well. And then what's pretty powerful there is we're actually able to allow the school to customize whether or not certain things tell them to come to school. And what that means is, let's say you have a fever, the school can automatically tell you not to come to school. So in a very tactile sense, that's how it works. Interesting. So if let's say a child or a parent doesn't fill out the survey, then they are, how is this enforced then? Well, I mean, I know you don't know yet. I guess Actually, that. I do. But in, well, oh, I was just wondering, because you were saying before, like everything's changing, but um, okay, then tell me. Yeah. So how is that enforced? 
Well, I think, again, when we're talking about everything is changing, we're talking about our knowledge of COVID, but mm -hmm. not about the procedures, because actually schools do a lot of this information with regards to checking people in when they come to school. So what we're going to do is build on that with what we're calling the verification process. So when students arrive to school, either their parents or they are going to show a QR code and the school is going to use their device to scan it which will automatically check that student into school Whoa. and cross-reference. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty cool. Reference their survey in Ruvna. So you'll be able to see whether that student was cleared for entry. Holy shit. That's so crazy. That's yeah. fascinating. It's Wait, nuts. Are there any like ethical ambiguities to this? You're saying schools have already been doing this, but like, I guess because they're putting the information in themselves, then that kind of like, protects the school from any liability about like who can come in or who cannot. However, then you think about what's their determination for who can come in and who can't. If you're saying it's by CDC guidelines, then I guess they have the right to do so. But it's a tricky area because it's not like a business. It's not like you're like, like people have the right to go to school, right? So like, it's not the same as like, oh, if you don't wear a mask, you're not allowed in the store. It's like, I get the, I get the need for precautions, but there's just, I'm, anticipating who's going to try to fight this in court um yeah it's actually not just your company i'm just talking about like procedures this is a great idea i think it's fucking awesome but i'm just thinking about like how many legal challenges are going to be to these schools for denying entry to people yeah i think what's always interesting is during a, a pandemic or any other type of crisis we're always going to be asked to weigh the privacy concern to the public good concern um, and I think what's really going to be important here is yeah, my company. Like <laughs> yeah, right. Which again, you guys know a little bit more about than me. Um, but there's always going to be the ways that we as a company can provide tools, but mm -hmm. try not to weigh the scales either way. Yeah. So what that means for us is we are not going to dictate when the student shouldn't be coming to school. The school right. is going to be setting that. And I think the, the goal here is to let the community um, and the, in many cases, in most cases, elected leadership of a district that I think represents the will of the community determine at what point they're comfortable with students coming to school and, right. and them not. But I think you're totally right. And in some ways, we're in unprecedented territory here. I mean, all we can do is try to follow the existing regulations and guidelines and also our own ethical and moral compass. I think what's hard is that there's so many, to me, valid, personally, to me, valid arguments about why not to reopen schools. And it's been such a concern and like uh, very split, split reviews of, like, I have a close friend who's a teacher, um, and is very concerned about going back to school. I have friends who are saying that if, who are teachers, like Facebook friends, that if they don't go back to their school, they're fired, like all this crazy shit. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the president and he is very pushing back schools. His little minion demon, Betsy DeVos is pushing that. So uh, do you feel any, like, uh, okay, so let me just say, I don't think that Rubna would be liable for anything. I'm not saying that. I think you guys are just the middleman and you're providing a necessary service because it's really not up to you, like you said, whether people go back to school. But for Marshall Singer, personally, do you feel any type of way about people returning to school? Do you have concerns about it? Like, I understand the putting those aside and just doing your job to make sure it's as safe as possible. But personally, do you have any, like, feelings on this? Oh, definitely. I mean, and I think that's always one of the interesting parts about running and founding a startup is the mm -hmm. company in some ways, as long as you're involved day to day, is an extension of you and your beliefs. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, it's actually really hard to separate the two. 
Um, but yeah, no, I, I do have feelings. I'm nervous. I'm going to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. I'm nervous about it. I'm not sure a lot of states that are planning to return to school should be returning to school. Mm-hmm. I think that there's some pretty clear scientific evidence with regards to um, at what point schools and, dis- and states should even be considering going back to school. And that's mm-hmm. um, when the positivity rate is about 5%. Um, and without naming specific places, there are a lot of states that are Name uh, names. looking no, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little gung ho on on reopening with a with a positivity rate above five percent, and that that scares me because I think that you know of course uh, I believe that if they're going to go back to school, my company's product and what we do is benefit, but mm-hmm. I don't think everybody should be going back to school. Right. And and truthfully, I think that there's probably a middle ground that seems to be lost a little bit right now about how we could do this. And that that's really a shame, truthfully. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, question for you. Does Rubna have anything to do with students who are doing remote learning? I mean, I know that like a lot of that is done through Zoom and stuff, but I didn't know, are you guys creating any links to outside learning, distance learning? No. So interestingly enough, you know, we actually don't do anything, so to speak, with actual <laughs> Um, Period. You're like, we don't do anything. No, I'm oh, just no, no, uh, we do very, we do very little. Um, I uh, just, I essentially send emails all day. I don't really do any real work. Yeah. That's, um, that's like how great it is to be a CFO though. Um, <laughs> okay. Anyway, so you were saying you don't do anything with actual teaching. Yeah. So we don't touch um, education itself. That's not where our expertise is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think one of the things that's really important is not to do things you're, you don't understand and know well. So yeah, we don't yeah, yeah. we don't touch distance learning itself. We do a little bit with it to help schools understand, you know, who's learning from home versus who's in school. But I think that is more of an ancillary thing that plays into us needing to know who's expected on school that day to understand who we should be sending the surveys to, if that makes sense. Wait, so you wouldn't be sending the surveys to everyone? No, because, you know, I think what's, uh, as the statistician, I get to be a little bit of a nerd here, you want to make sure you don't have noise in your data set. Um, and you don't want to be surveying people that aren't coming to school that day because then it's going to change um, the reporting of certain um, symptoms of people that may or may not be coming to school. Oh, so, so everyone gets a survey asking if they're coming to school or not? No, but we only want to send surveys to folks coming to school because we don't want data uh-huh. from people that are not expected to come, in, come to school because you can imagine they're going to be biased and predisposed towards having symptoms because they're not coming to school. And you want to make sure that you, have, you don't have that noise in the data of people trying to come to school. Right. So how do you find out who's going to school or not? There's like From lists the pre in advance. Okay. They'll tell yeah. you. Okay. So the schools have really, um, if you think about how a school works, it's a, if you think about the engine of a school, it's going to be what's called an SIS, a school information system. And okay. we talk to that for almost every school we work with to get a lot of important information, just like, you know, whether or not they're expected in school that day. So would this be like, okay, that's really inf- interesting. School information system. Yeah, that's something I know all about. But if I didn't, what is it? Well, as I was saying, it's kind of the engine of the school. It's it's the brain. So it's where they're going to store grades, attendance, rosters, Mm. schedules. A lot of SIS for private schools are going to have donor lists. Um, it, it's, it's really where they're going to school all, store all of their information. A lot of SIS can also handle learning, online classes. So it is, wow. it's the life, it's the beating heart uh, of the digital school. Wow, that's crazy. Um, totally, of course those systems exist. Of course, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't think about that stuff. Yeah, it's one of the things you don't think about until you're like, of course they have something that runs their entire school. Yeah, I'm like in school. I get like, I log into that portal. I'm like, who made that? Okay. You know wow. Blackboard? No, we have Canvas. Okay. Oh, we, you, oh, Temple used to have Blackboard, they but then they were Blackboard. like, no thanks. 
So Canvas is actually the other side of the coin. So there's an SIS, which is the student information system. And then there's an LMS, which is the learning management system. So actually, Canvas is on the other side of the coin there of software that runs all of education that you've probably What's never heard Blackboard? of. Blackboard? Blackboard's an SIS that has an LMS component. Okay, because I was going to say, because I know Blackboard because professors would have in their old syllabi, like, uh, check Blackboard for this. And then, yep. and then someone would be like, do you mean Canvas? Um, I wouldn't say that. I just figured they meant Canvas. Okay. Um, all right. So we've taught, we've covered kind of what Rubenu does and you said, you know, you have your, your personal feelings. I think that that was a very CFO diplomatic answer. Uh, I was trying to get you to shit talk. I don't know why. No, I'm kidding. Um, all right. So it was tempting. Don't get me wrong. No, I understand. Listen, you, you said you're in every single state, so I get the not, the desire to not name names. Um, and we are a, podcast that reaches literally globally um someone listened to a no i'm being facetious someone listened to an episode from australia one week that was that was cool um awesome. and when nairam was in japan we would get listens from japan marshall oh, yeah. marshall's girlfriend not that you're just nairam's boyfriend listen you're your own person but it's look a good she's a lot cooler than me so i'll he take being very boyfriend. cool yeah um she goes to law school with me and she did a semester or part of a semester in Japan and um yeah I would get listens from Japan and I was like hell yeah thank you so great um talk about affecting the data you know what I mean yeah, exactly like, okay oh that's fun keep okay so posted globally yeah keep you globally posted posted globally um so all right so let's let me kind of as we wind this down ask you you know we talked a little bit about you're getting data from the CDC you're getting now are you getting those in advance of the news of them publishing them? Or is there like a back channel thing? I'm, I'm not being facetious. Like, is there like a way that the CDC sends information to companies like you, to hospitals, not maybe in advance of publishing it, but like any sort of special way? Or are you like checking the news? Yeah, so I get it the same day you do. Um, oh, okay. There are these back channels, but my company is, is not a part of it. There um, are back channels? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, and one of the... Um, the unsung and unspoken things about government is that there's a lot of communication. I mean, there's a lot of firm, pretty serious ethical lines, but I, I used to work for the Small Business Administration. Um, so, you know, yeah, they, they talk to each other all the time. And it might not be, you know, for, for something like the SEC, yeah, they're going to be a lot more stringent because in a lot of ways they're regulating um, that type they of thing. Are, but for yeah. the CDC, it's a very cooperative relationship. So it's in everyone's best interest for the CDC to develop these things cooperatively with companies, with healthcare providers. So yeah, right. no, they, they talk and they interface with each other all the time. But sadly, we are not nearly important enough to get any of that information. Um, so you're finding out at the same time we are. And then how does that affect, or have you been just like working so extra hard because of all this, like trying to keep up with everything? Like like you had said in the meeting, like everything could change your learning as we go. So I guess, how are you guys keeping up with that stuff? What's your process like? Yeah, I mean, I think it's twofold, as is most things. It's one, you try to stay as educated as possible. Right. Um, you know, talking with experts, uh, reading all the analysis, the studies that come out, and just trying to understand because mm -hmm. we have to stay informed. But the other side of it is talking to the schools themselves because they're given pretty constant feedback as well. So mm -hmm. it's a very cooperative relationship where the two of us, our, us and our schools, work together to make sure the information that they need to collect is going to be able to be collected in Aruvna. Because at the end of the day, what Aruvna Health is, is a flexible way of collecting information. And so mm -hmm. at the end, we, we really want to let them customize what they're asking for. 
So as little of the required knowledge is determined by us as possible, and they have the flexibility to determine what they want to know. How many employees do you have? Right now, eight. Yeah, Marshall, look at you building an empire. I had no idea. Well, um, I mean, there's many things in life I aspire to be, but to be that guy that walks up to other people <laughs> at a party and go, yeah, uh, I work in tech. I started a company. I already own Allbirds. I, that's bad enough. So I don't really talk about it. <laughs> you had to explain what those were to me the other day, but I get that now. Allbirds are hip shoes. Ross, did you know about these? I own a pair. Hey! Oh my God. All so right. now Ross, all I have got? to do is start a tech company and Marshall <laughs> and I will be equals. Basically. I mean, there's a, there's a great study that uh, I'm making up right now that correlates uh, owning Allbirds with a 300% increase in saying the word, word revolutionize or disrupt. Oh my God, that's too funny. Um, I don't own them but I could use some new shoes. Okay, so on, <laughs> Ross, do you have any questions before we wind up? Um, coronavirus is very stressful and like this seems like a no-brainer idea and like a more acceptable form in this country to do um, uh, social tracking in a way to help figure out where this virus is going and where it's originating. Uh, in a way that makes sense. Like if, if lawmakers go, are going to mandate that schools open, then things like this have to be in place to not endanger the lives of students that are immunocompromised, mm -hmm. um, uh, teachers that are in their 90s and are still teaching and still believe that you're allowed to hit a kid with a ruler. Like we have to protect uh, all of these uh, protected communities and these people that uh, are just trying to learn or just trying to do their job yeah yeah no i ross I, could, I couldn't agree with you more i mean i think that at the end of the day really all our job as you know ed tech companies is to facilitate a better learning environment for schools and for me one of the things i believe in most strongly and i think one of the the callings that i felt when we were starting Ruvna was that you can't learn well if you don't feel safe in school and I think Ruvna Health ties directly to that in that if they don't feel as though their school is a safe place for them, how can you expect someone to learn? Um, and if we can even give someone like 10%, 15 to 20% more comfort um, that their school is somewhere they're safe being, then I'll take that as a win. And that's, that's important to me. Side note, you should play this for your investors and be like, yo, look how I'm killing it repping this company. They let me on keep you posted. <laughs> yes, the exclusive podcast. <laughs> they let me talk about all birds. Exactly. Yes, that's why we brought you on, really, as because they're our sponsor. No, I'm it's okay. Um, I know. Marshall, thank you so much for coming on. This was so interesting, and you did a great job explaining it. I wish you guys listen. We're gonna post um, in our we have like a weekly blog post, Marshall. We're gonna post the link to the company. If you work for a school and you're like, hey, maybe we should. For all those school administrators listening, um, listen, you're our target demographic for this. No, but seriously, thank you so much. Good luck with everything. Any final words of wisdom to leave us on? Yeah. Uh, well, first and foremost, Hannah Ross, thank you so much for having me. This was a, a ton welcome. of fun. Uh, I uh, don't usually get grilled by comedians for 30 minutes straight, <laughs> which is always fun, even ones as smart as you guys. That's, I can't say that's in my daily norms. So this was a ton of fun, and uh, thank you for having me on. And yeah. I guess if I had to end on anything, I'd just say, you know, as with everything, I know not a ton because we're yeah. learning at the moment. And all you can do is, I guess, keep trying to understand more. And with how fast things are changing with COVID and especially the data on how it affects children and how children might spread it, everybody just needs to kind of do our best to keep learning, keep reading and keep mm -hmm. wearing a mask when you can't social distance. 
Yes, masks, social distancing. Well, thank you again so much. We'll post all this stuff on the website and um, we'll be back with our next segment in a little bit. Yay. And now it's time for a reoccurring segment that I'm very happy to bring back. It's what's Taylor Swift up to? Uh, it's me, Ross, and Anthony Barone is back with us. Hello, Anthony. Hi, thank you for having me today. Of course, I can't imagine talking about this album without you. So uh, that's the big news. Taylor Swift surprised us all and released an album of 16 songs that are just mind-blowingly excellent. It's called Folklore. And yeah, this was like a huge move. So I guess let's start by talking about how crazy it is that she dropped a surprise album. This is like such a sign of growth for her. Just going for it. I was not expecting this at all. So neither. I'm so glad you invited me to be here because today was going to be a very dark day. Today was the day I'm supposed to be at Loverfest. Like <gasps> I'm supposed right. to be in LA right now going to Loverfest tonight. So I'm so happy to be talking to you about this today because <laughs> I can't believe that she dropped this album it's amazing like complete number one she really doesn't want to make cruel summer a sing uh, cruel summer a single i'm just gonna oh, throw that out there like you wanted to <laughs> yes but whatever i'll take an album in its place instead right so um, what, i don't get what this album so was she planning to release it and no. then she just dropped it or it was like she's been making this just in quarantine she started that's the one of the most impressive parts she started it at the end of april she wrote wrote oh. and created this entire thing extremely quickly and that was her whole point like she started quarantine and was just like writing she's so creative she was creatively writing and the other part of this and we'll get to this in a second is that the content on this is very different than her other content it's all very personal stories but they're not clearly not all biographical autobiographical that's called folklore for the reason of like she's telling other people's stories and so she started writing with the guy from the national Aaron Dessner who I I had heard of that band but I don't really listen to them and then she did songs with Jack Antonoff who I love as a producer and a writer and then a mysterious writer named William Bowery mm -hmm. who we'll talk about some fan theories on but um but yeah she said she wrote it like super quickly and then was like you know, I just figured I'd release it. I didn't think about the fact that I forgot that Loverfest was supposed to be this weekend. Maybe that was why she was also like, I might as well drop it because this was supposed to be a weekend of like, you know, whatever. But it's really cool. And um, yeah, so she just randomly dropped this album and she's never done this. Usually she's like meticulously plans her releases. She teases them for like months in advance and drops singles like gradually. And this was just like, nope, here's an This was like, she clearly was inspired by Beyonce and was just like, all right, let me try that. Why yeah, not? and it worked. Like, mm -hmm. she's already, she's like the most streamed female on Spotify ever. Like, this album, like, a, um, yeah. So, yeah, it worked. Um, it's so good. It's an interesting concept. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a very active album, I feel like. Like, you In actually have to, you have to listen to it. Like you can't, I got really annoyed because the first time I listened to it, I didn't realize that my phone was on shuffle. So I was like all over the place and I didn't know what <sighs> songs were going on. So I had to listen to it again. That was when I talked to you like midday and I was like, I can't mm -hmm. even talk about it. I haven't gotten through it all the way. Mm -hmm. um, but like, if you sit there and you listen, like the songs are actually like telling stories. Like, mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, this is actually like an interesting story, like in a song. Um, yeah. And it's so, it's the language is like, she's always such a, I'm obsessed with her songwriting. It's not a secret, but like, she's always such a vivid songwriter. Like she uses such like 
descriptive terms and they're always very emotive, but this is um, just so far outside of her usual presentation. Like it's obviously very melodic, but it's very kind of indie folk instead of, or like, I don't know how you would describe it, but it's not her usual like synths and pop beats or her country stuff. It's very, it's like a new era of her. She just clearly is like tapping into creative areas of her brain. And I think, so let's get into the fan theories. So okay. people were concerned that her and her boyfriend broke up because of some of the breakup songs on the album. Now, I don't think that's the case. And we were talking about this before. You don't think so either, right? No, I think they're married. I do too. Okay, oh I God. have a whole theory that they got married and like the Lover album is like their wedding album. Basically. I have a theory that even if they're not, even if they weren't married then, they got married and that, because I'm convinced that he's with her in quarantine and I was thinking about visas. Like, I'm like, how can you be here if you're not a citizen? I bet he has a green card because they're married. That's what I think. Oh, I didn't even think about the legal aspect of it. You can't just like be in a random country indefinitely during... Uh, well, I mean, if he's here, he can't leave. Like, we can't leave the country. So maybe he... Well, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> I just think they're married. I just think he has a green card. Um, anyway, so, okay, so you think they're married. Continue. Oh, my God. What if that leads to another fan theory that you mentioned? What? That he's a co-writer, and that was his work, and that's how he got his work visa, because oh. he was working on the album. Oh! <laughs> okay, so the, the name William Bowery, people quickly realized, was, like, not a person. Like, it's not anyone. He doesn't have any other things. Um, so people think that maybe it was joe alwyn her boyfriend because what is it like william name? is a family name and then mm -hmm. bowery is the street where they met no the bowery ballroom is oh, where they saw a show right. oh okay yeah it's in new york uh, there, i think it is a street bowery but um that's where they had a date or something yeah i mean she did that whole pseudonym with calvin harris so it would make sense uh -huh. that like when she wrote this is what you came for. She did like Nils Sjöderberg or something, something Swedish, which we all know that Swedes are the king, kings and queens of pop. pop so yes. it makes sense to me. But yeah, it's very, I think that could be a pseudonym. So people were thinking they broke up. You think they're married. I agree that even if they're not married, they definitely didn't break up. Um, and I was telling one of my friends partly because just, just because I think if anyone were to make an album after Heartbreak that's so good, it would be Taylor Swift. But I think the album would have sounded a lot different if she were heartbroken. And I probably, and I think she probably would not have released it so quickly. Also, the song Invisible String, right? Yes, I was. I that's was like just as that overt too, as I, possible. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely. I think that's one of like the only few songs that I think actually relate to her life. And peace. Peace. I think that's. Peace is like second to last. It's like about like, she's like, I'll love you, but I can never give you peace if you're with me. Like basically like it, to me, I read it as, oh, I heard it as like, to it like that. she's like, I heard it as like, she's, um, you know, she's got, she's like insanely famous. Right. She's like, you know, there's going to be craziness, paparazzi and shit outside your house. Um, but who knows my, what's one of your, do you have like a favorite yet? I think my favorite, I really like the one, just starting mm -hmm. off. Um, and then I like Betty. Betty's Betty, so good. Betty has me like questioning my sexuality. Like, I was going to say, like, let's okay. talk about <laughs> the theories that Betty's a, 
a queer song, right? That's like one of the yeah, things so I read. There's a trilogy in the album that's a love story yes. scene from, and each song is like from another person in the love triangle it's or like, something. Yeah, it's like a teen love triangle. And yeah, from each perspective. And that's Betty, James. August. No, oh, the people, but the songs are oh, Cardigan, songs. Sorry, yeah. August, and Betty. Yes. And and then there's another theory that they revealed, or she revealed Blake Reynolds and she did. Or yeah, what's her name? Blake Lively, Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds. They um, did. That yeah. was confirmed. Right. So that was confirmed. And, and they have three daughters. So I thought awful, but I thought James was a boy in the song, mm-hmm. and I was just, and then I found out that like the whole daughter's theory and I was like oh wait so James is a girl so Betty can still be like this like queer love song yeah so that's the thing so people pointed out that James was um not only okay so Taylor Swift is named after James Taylor so there was a point that someone was like well it could still be about Taylor Swift because she that would be the name she chose boy James but also because Blake Lively's and Ryan Reynolds' daughter, Inez, and James are both named in that one song. They were like, Betty must be the third daughter's name. Right. Which, if that's the case, then that's three girls. Yeah. Okay. James and Betty. I love it. But I, it was funny because when I love to look up the fan theories, and that was the, I saw this headline that was like, Betty sounds like Betty's a queer anthem or something. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, word. I love it. Um, yeah, that song is great. I really like um, My Tears Ricochet, the one where she's like a dead person. Yeah. And so, you know, you did you hear the theory behind that one? Mm-mm. That it's for Scooter Braun? Mm. Because there's a line, I can't remember the line now, but it says like, um, you're still making money off of my diaries or something like that, or you're still exploiting Whoa. my diaries or something like talking about her early songs. Um Okay, well, that's another fascinating thing because um, I didn't hear that theory, but I love that because that's a very big thing that is happening with her, her whole legal battle. She's been like so out there about that, calling people out, which I freaking love. But um, I didn't hear that. I love that. And apparently her label didn't even know the album was coming out. What? Yeah. Yeah. Like she that told seems... the label and was just like, "Oh, hey, by the way, we're releasing this tomorrow." Like, wait, that that seems impossible. That's what I mean. That's another fan theory, but yeah. So. Um, I'm gonna Google that because no, I'm thinking because <laughs> I like to ruin things with uh, legal <laughs> with knowledge. Facts I'm and like, figures. I'm like, there's no way that that didn't that they. Oh, it says. Oh, you're right. Her own label. Did, oh, they didn't know she was making it. Oh, uh, okay. It. Um, but that, which makes sense. But then she, I was going to say they have to, they'd have to know that she was releasing it because they would have to sign a bunch of contracts yeah. <laughs> and Look, pay shit. You can tell that everything is crazy rushed. So I ordered the vinyl um, from her store and it mm-hmm. says this will ship in 16 weeks. Like, <laughs> so they haven't you even made them yet. You should so. talk to, uh, what's his face? Eddie Finn works for... I have been does... talking to him. Shout out to Eddie Finn, who's a comic and works for merch. Works Eddie merch. is a hero right now. He didn't find out that it was co- the album was coming out until we all found out. 
and yeah. she has been very, very, very busy <laughs> because yeah. of this album. I she almost like, ordered a sweatshirt, but it was like 40 bucks. And I was like, nah, I don't. She has like, like 16 versions that are coming out. I know. Like, it's very much like, okay, Taylor, yes, you want to sell multiple copies of the album, but like. Well, 16. we're going to, I bet we're going to find out random shit from them too. Like, like with uh, the Lover Diaries. Oh, yeah. Just like there will be like liner notes. I think it's so cool that she just dropped this and was like, well, we'll get to the merch later. Um, right. But yeah, it's wild. Oh, I love it so much. I, if you guys haven't listened to it and you're listening to this podcast, um, please pause it. Well, we're almost done. So I guess just finish <laughs> this and go right over to it. So, so good. She's breaking records. But yeah, I, I was telling one of my friends, I'm like, Taylor Swift is a brilliant songwriter, but I don't think that she and her boyfriend broke up. And then she was inspired to make this because like, also wait, this song, there's number three is called the Great American Dynasty. And it's, yeah. um, it's about her house in Rhode Island. I went yeah. to school in Rhode Island. Uh, that's the, I mean, basically all of Rhode Island feels like one town. It's so small, but, um, that's the town my best friend is from Westerly, Rhode Island. And I remember when she bought the house there and moved in, I mean, she didn't, she was, I never saw her. Like people would like, people were pissed about it. The town of Westerly was like, Oh, all this like attention. People have tried to break in there, all this shit. So I was especially like, damn, that's so cool. Um, yeah. And apparently the woman, Rebecca mm -hmm. owned the house. Rebecca but her, her nickname was Betty, too. Really? So that's, yeah. So there was a whole other level of like, oh, wait, is she Betty? This, that, the other thing. But I think that's like a really yeah. cool story. Like she I said that she was just like inspired by objects and then wrote stories about them. So like, obviously, yeah. if I was quarantining, I would be in my house in Rhode Island on the beach. Like, so I don't I wonder think she's if she's in Rhode Island. No. Because mm -mm, she recorded. I don't think that she has recording stuff up there. I think she just wrote about it. I don't think she yeah. goes there that often anymore. That's what I've also heard, that like she's not there often. Her I think she... Too many memories of Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> <laughs> that oh era. <laughs> that is, that is, it's so wild. She's grown so much. She really has. Yeah. Remember we were texting about that, or we were talking about this on the concert on this podcast. We were like, she looks so good. She just looks like so healthy. But yeah, maybe they, I would love to find out that her and Joel Wynn are married. That would be great. And I would, I would especially love to hear that he's William Bowery. That would be awesome. But, well, I wonder if they'll, put, they'll do what she did with um, Calvin Harris, where right before Grammy submissions, she put her name on it. So that if it won any Grammys, then it was in her name, not in like the pseudonym. So yeah, someone we'll like outed out. her too. And she was like, yeah, it's me. It's yeah. me. It also, if you listen to that song, it sounds like something that belongs in her catalog for sure. Oh, yeah. 100%. Rihanna knocks it out of the park. Okay, Ross, sorry that uh, we didn't jump over to you there. Anything to add? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I liked the song Exile. <gasps> Bear. Uh, that's, that's a, a good song. song. He yeah, has such a deep voice. He, he's, he's worked with both Kanye and Taylor. So. Whoa. Ooh. Oh my God, Kanye's a whole other story right now. God, God I hope he gets well. I hope he gets help. Um, uh, fingers crossed. All right. Well, thanks for coming on with us. No problem. Great. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. And everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, check out our website and um, wear masks and stay safe and have a great week. This has been Keep You Posted, hosted and executive produced by Hannah Trav. Produced and edited by me, Ross Wiseman. Our art and logo is by Kristen Finger and our music by Graham Trav. For a list of our sources from the episode, bonus content, and to get in touch with us, visit us at www.keepyoupostedpod.com. <laughs>